welcome back to another episode of That's a Wrap. I'm Shannon and I am so excited for today's episode because this is a movie that I have wanted to watch since it was released and I give this movie a 10 out of 10 and it is very hard for me to give a movie a full 10 rating but this movie was awesome. I have no notes on this film so I am kind of just going to go with it for this episode because it was so good. I watched it last night so it's still kind of fresh in my mind and I mean it was just it was good and I feel like I shouldn't have structure for this episode because it was just so good and I know that even if I have structure I'm not going to stay on my scheduled notes so I'm just going to go ahead and wing it today and hopefully this episode turns out really good. Um, So with that being said the film that I am focusing on today is The Black phone which is a supernatural horror film and it stars Ethan Hawke. Enough said. That's all I'm gonna say. It is enough said. Um, Also with that being said, um, I believe the director Scott Derrickson, he directed Sinister which also stars Ethan Hawke. Um, he also wrote this film with Robert Cargill. Um, and they both wrote Sinister and Sinister 2 as well. So you already know that this is going to be a Sinister-like film, which I absolutely love the Sinister films. So I do recommend watching those films before this. And they're not tied together by any means, but the way that this movie works and the way that it's filmed, it has an almost Sinister feel to it, which I love. Um, but, you know, if you're not sure if you're going to be into... A movie like this I would definitely go ahead and check out Sinister or Sinister 2 I mean the whole movie itself just gives the Sinister feel so that was another reason why I'm so excited to discuss this film and why I was so excited to watch it because Sinister and Sinister 1 are really good films I happen to really enjoy watching them so we're gonna go ahead and not talk about Sinister anymore and we are gonna go ahead and talk about the black phone so the Black Phone was filmed in North Carolina, which is great. It was released in June of 2022. It is currently out on, I think, Peacock. I think that's where I watched it was Peacock. I believe so. Maybe it was Paramount Plus. I'm not really sure. It's probably out on both, to be completely honest, but I don't really remember. Um, so we are just going to go ahead and discuss this movie. And I also want to say Ethan Hawke had me shook through this film. That man, that's all I'm going to say. I don't have a crush on him by any means. He's not, he's not an ugly dude, but he's, he's not my type, but he had me shook during this. So let's go ahead and talk about the film. So this film takes place in the seventies, which I am 
living for. Um, fun fact about me, I love the 70s, 80s, 90s, especially when they are put into horror films. Something about those errors, those decades, my favorite decades, let me just go ahead and say that. Um, and the 70s was actually really high for kidnappings and murders, so... That's also another reason why I do love the 70s for the morbidness, I guess you could say. Um, but anyway, so this film does take place in the late 70s. And it is about a child abductor named The Grabber. Who drives around in a black van on the streets of a Denver suburb. Um, we are introduced to siblings... Finney and Gwen, who live in one of those suburban areas. Their father is an abusive alcoholic. Their mother is dead. And the father, he could be worse. I will say that. He, he could be worse with his alcoholism and his abusiveness. Um, but it, they do come into play quite often in this film. Um, we also see that Finney is bullied and harassed quite a lot, and it seems like he only has one friend, which we will get into very quickly. Um, Gwen is very kind of out there, while Finney is more secluded and shy. The one friendship that Finney actually has is with a boy named Robin and he is known to be like one of the tougher kids in the school. We even see at one point we see Robin get into a fight on a street corner with this really big dude, um, this really big kid and Robin was able to beat him and make him bleed and draw some blood on his knuckles. And we see Robin enter the school bathroom where he saves Finney from getting bullied after Finney runs into the bathroom to try to escape the bullies. And Robin tells him, you know, one day you're going to have to stand up for yourself and that he's not going to be able to defend him for the rest of his life. Um, at this point... We find out that a kid named Bruce is abducted by the grabber. He was just riding his bike down the street. He is a very well-known baseball player. And he briefly had an interaction with Finney. They were playing a baseball game. And Finney, who apparently is supposed to be this really good pitcher, um, had two strikes on Bruce. And Bruce ended up hitting a home run out of the ballpark off of Finney. Um, and, you know, like, true sportsmanship, you know, Bruce and Finney, no harm, no ill feelings, you know, good game, all that. Um, but Bruce is abducted by the grabber. And we then see that Gwen has a psychic ability. She is able to see dreams, which we find out her mother had as well. Um, but we see that she has dreams of Bruce's kidnapping and she mentions to his sister that he was dead 
taken by some random man in a black van with black balloons. And the detectives investigating the case question when about it because nobody knew about the black van and nobody knew about the black balloons that are shown at each crime scene. Um, we then see that because she is talking about her psychic dreams, her father becomes abusive and he ends up whipping her really, really badly. He's really, really badly, good old 70s. Um, and, you know, tells her that they're just dreams, that she is not her mother and that they're just dreams and she has to stop talking, stop talking about them. Um, the grabber we then see abducts Robin, which really affects Finney. However, a few days later, he manages to abduct Finney. Um, after abducting him, he ends up waking up in a basement that we later find out is soundproofed, in which the grabber soundproofed himself. Um, we also notice that on the wall there is a good old rotary phone that does not work. It is disconnected. However, Finney does hear it go off. Um, the grabber says it does not work either. However, Finney is able to use it to communicate. Um, we do find out that on the other side of the phone is actually all of the past grabbers victims. Um, the first one we come across is Bruce. However, Bruce is not able to remember his own name or who he was when he was alive. He says that that's one of the first things to go when you die. Um, however, Bruce does tell Finney that there is a loose floor tile near the bathroom area and he can remove that tile and can dig a tunnel to try to escape. And we see quite a few scenes in which we do see Finney working to dig that tunnel to try to escape. Um, the police are now searching for Finney, however, it is unsuccessful, but we also do see that the grabber brings food to Finney, Finney, and this is where we see the first test. He leaves the door to the soundproofed basement unlocked. Finney is about to sneak out, but however, the phone rings. The un, the, the unattached non-working phone is ringing he goes to answer the phone and we find out that it's this kid named billy and billy tells him that the grabber likes to play this game where he likes to see if you're gonna try to escape and that he is upstairs waiting to attack finney with a belt if he tries to leave the basement or tries to leave the house after coming up from the basement Billy then instructs Finney to use a cord that Billy found to try and get out of the basement window. And unfortunately, while Finney is trying to climb up the cord to try to get the window open, the bars on the window pop up or pop out and 
they end up, he ends up going backwards, falling on the ground, and he's not able to continue to try to escape using the window anymore. Um, at this point, we see that Gwen has dreams of Billy now being abducted. And she ends up turning to her father to tell him what is happening. And, I mean, her father had a decent reaction. It wasn't it wasn't as severe as what it was before where he was whipping her and anything. Um, he did let her talk and nothing bad came out of it. Um, and I do want to say that in the scene where Finney is trying to climb up this cord... I'm trying to figure out why he doesn't climb up. Like, he he was using a, a rug. A very long rug. I'm trying to figure out why he didn't try to u- try to climb up on the rug. Just to, just to, like, get some weight off of the cord. I don't understand why that wasn't factored in. Um, but, you know, it, it makes for a good movie, so whatever. But if you're ever in a basement and you have these sketchy-ass windows from the 70s and you're going to try to climb up to get through that window or at least to open it, if you have a rug access and a very tall rug, climb up on that rug, try to relieve some of that weight from the cord to prevent the cord from snapping or the window from popping out of the window or the window popping out of the wall. Just say. Um, so we now see that the detectives are speaking to random people. They are just going house to house to try to see if they can find anything. And they come across this dude named Max, who is staying in the area with his brother. He's not from the area, but he's currently staying at the house. Um, it is eventually revealed that the basement that Finney is being held is actually in Max's house. And Max is completely oblivious to it. He is just obsessed with trying to track this this abductor, trying to figure out what the motive is and where the location is. And we see at one point that it dawns on Max that his house is actually right in like the pinpoint of the center of where all of this chaos and all of the abductions are happening. We come across that and we will continue. We will, we will get back to Max in a second. Um, so the grabber comes down with a tray of food again, and he asks Fenny questions, um, like, you know, what his name is. And Fenny lies and tells him a whole different name, and it pisses the grabber off, in which he throws the tray down and then throws a newspaper at Fenny, in which we see that Finney is actually, like, on the cover of the newspaper, and that is where his full name is. And he would have, you know, the grabber mentions that he would have let Finney go if he had told him the truth, but Finney did not tell him the truth. Um, so at this point, the phone rings again, and we find out that it is another one of the grabber's victims named Griffin. Um, Griffin tells Finney that the door, like the main door to the house is locked by a combination lock, which actually used to be Griffin's. 
Um, Finney asks Griffin what the combination lock number is, and he says that he can't remember, but he wrote it down on a wall. So we now see that Finney is trying to look. He finds the combination number on the wall and is asking Griffin, you know, what is this combination? Is it is it 2-23-37 or is it, you know, 23-3-37? If I got those numbers right off of memory, I'm going to be extremely impressed. Um, don't hold those numbers against me. But like I said, I am kind of doing this very off script with no outline, no notes, no nothing. Because this movie was just so good. So if I got those numbers right, I'm going to be extremely impressed. Um, but Griffin tells him that he's just going to have to try out the combinations and that the grabber is currently asleep in the kitchen in a chair and that Finney now needs to go upstairs, sneak out and be very careful not to make any noise. And this is, this is his attempt. This is where he can finally try to escape. Um, so we do see Finney is able with one of those combination codes to unlock the door. However, the dog that the grabber has is barking. And as a result, this wakes the grabber up and the grabber realizes that Finney escaped. And Finney, we see, is running down the street, but the grabber is following him in his black truck and ends up knocking him down on the ground and we do see neighbors lights turn on because they're hearing Finney scream um however the grabber does hold Finney at knife point and Finney ends up quieting down and is end up recaptured and brought back to the house now for this scene this scene is aggravating because we see that Finney has this like sharp object, almost a knife thing with a flashlight at the end, and he's holding it in his hand when he's trying to escape the house, and he walks past the grabber. The whole time I'm sitting there thinking that he's going to stab the grabber. Like, the grabber is passed out, stab him in the neck, but he doesn't. Why? Like, like, why? Why? I would never in my right mind have the nerve to walk past my kidnapper who's hold, who, who kidnapped me and is holding me in their house. I am walking past them and they are passed out like I've seen too many horror movies. They're going to wake up and they're going to attack me from my behind and I'm not going to be able to get out that door. I would rather stab them in the neck and, you know, catch them off guard while they're asleep, stab them in the neck. You stab them just right. You get them in the jugular. Come on now. But he doesn't do it. He just walks right past him, opens the combination, gets out the door, runs, and then, you know, he doesn't even hide behind a car. Like, if I knew that the van was coming for me, I'd be hiding behind a car. It's pitch black. Hide behind a damn car. He can't see you. Run into somebody's backyard and knock on their fucking back door. Like, come on. Um, so anyways, we are now back in that basement and Finney finally answers the phone again. Yes, there is another phone call. It is some like rocker punk dude. Um, his name is Vance. Um, Finney was apparently scared of him and has seen him get drug out of a convenience store or something by the police before. 
Um, however, Vance now tells Vinny that, or Finny, I keep saying Vinny, it's Finny, um, that there is a storage room that is like connected. So he tells him that if he is able to break a hole in the wall where the toilet is, he will be able to get into a freezer that is up against the other side of the wall. And if he is able to get into the freezer and get out of the freezer, it will bring him to a storage room. So we then see that Finney is now creating a hole with the toilet tank cover. And he is able to enter the freezer. However, he's not able to get out of the freezer because the freezer is locked. Although here we go. My critical ass is going to make another critical statement. Why is he only hitting one door? If the doors are locked, but they are moving, you should be taking both your feet and hitting both doors at the same time. You should not be putting all of your body weight into one door. Kick those two doors at the same time. So if you're ever locked in a freezer or something and everybody, go ahead and just do that. Take your two feet and kick both doors. Sorry guys, I am a true crime fan. I studied criminal justice. I have worked in the criminal justice field. I have studied forensic psychology and all of that fun stuff. So I'm sorry, this kind of thing is my thing. Um, so anyways, Finney then gives up on the freezer door and goes back to the mattress that is in the middle of the basement. And the phone rings one more time and we find out that it is Robin, his best friend. Um... Robin, we show, is comforting Vinny and encourages him and tells him that this is the time where he needs to stand up and fight back. This is, nobody can help him now. This is on him. He needs to do it himself. And he is telling Finney to break the phone receiver, like, off of the rotary part of the phone and pack it with dirt, make it heavy, and use it as a weapon to hit the grabber. And we see him, you know, Robin in the back of Finney. We see them both, you know, step back, throw the phone, step back, throw the phone, you know, hit him, practice the hitting. And This scene made me cry because, I mean, this was the end. And Finney realizes that he's never going to see his best friend again. And I cried. I'm not going to lie. I I cried um, seeing and hearing the communication between Robin and Finney. Um, Robin also tells him that this is it. This is the last time nobody is going to contact Finney anymore. And that each victim has given Finney something that he is able to use to get out. And that Finney needs to try his hardest to get out, if not for himself, for the victims. Um, We now see that Gwen is having dreams about Vance's abduction. And we see that she is given the property of the grabber. 
and we see her you know she she's riding her bike and we see that she shows all of the victims like all of the kids lined up in a line and she falls off the bike um and then she realizes that she is actually in front of the grabber's house um as a result she contacts the detectives and we are going back to max max is realizing this is where he realizes that oh shit this house is in the middle of everything this house is the prime location for the grabber he goes down and opens the basement door sees that finney is there and is gonna go ahead and free him or whatever he was gonna do he wasn't gonna keep him there however we see that the grabber is behind him with an axe and puts the axe in his head um so now we see that the police are rushing to the house that gwen was drawn to and called them to but they find that the basement is empty in the basement of that empty house, they end up finding all of the buried bodies of the grabber's victims. So we now see that the grabber is taking the axe out of Max's head and is trying to attack Finney. However, Finney is able to get the grabber to trip over the phone cord. And as a result, he falls into the tunnel that Finney was digging. And he ends up trapping his foot or his ankle or something underneath. And as a result, the grabber can't get out. Um, I actually believe that his foot is caught on something. I don't know what. It, it looks like it was the window that fell out of the wall but I'm not 100% positive because it also looks like there's wood so I'm not really sure but regardless the grabber's foot is stuck in, in place in that tunnel um so we now hear that the phone rings Finney puts the phone up to the grabber's ear where all of his victims are taunting him um, Finney is finally able to strangle the grabber with the phone cord and he throws some meat from the freezer to the grabber's dog who he brought down to the basement as well. He was going to have the dog attacked, attack Finney. Um, he is able to go ahead and walk out of the house after unlocking the door with that combination code and we see that across the street where his sister is sitting, we see that Gwen sees him walking out. Gwen runs up to Finney in front of the house. And a lot of the police, including the two detectives, rush over to Finney. And we show that the siblings are now comforting each other in the back of an ambulance. Their father arrives and he apologizes up and down he is crying he is saying just how sorry he is sorry for the way he's treated them sorry for not believing gwen's dreams and that gwen does have this gift and 
I think his father realizes that he is very lucky to have his son back. Um, and then the movie ends with Finney walking back into school. Everybody is, you know, oh my god, is that him? I heard that he did this to the grabber. Oh my god, I heard that he was able to take this, like, I don't know how tall the grabber is supposed to be. I don't know how tall Ethan Hawke is. Probably like 5'11". Um, you know, he he fought this 5'11 dude and he managed to escape. And, I mean, he kind of, it's almost like he has no target on his back anymore. He even walks past his bullies. They don't bother him. We see that he has kind of like a new confidence about him, even just by the way he walks. And he ends up sitting next to his lab partner who he has a crush on and that's how the film ends so i am gonna say i even with my critical points to this film i still give this movie a 10 out of 10 ethan hawk very rarely will ever play a villain and he did in this film and he was awesome Minus the little complaints that I did put out. I want to know what is up with his masks. Like, why does he always have a mask? Now, I know it's probably to conceal his identity. But it's just one of those things. Like, I mean, you're you're walking around your house in a mask. Like, why? I would just love to know the concept behind it. Because behind every murderer, behind every serial killer, serial kidnapper... There's a reason for everything. So I really would have loved to have been able to deep dive and see what the reasoning for him wearing these ma- these masks were. Because they were all different. And if he was walking around his house in a mask, like why didn't his brother notice that before? I mean, I don't know. Some Just, just some things that, you know, I pick at. Um, and the reason why... I do say this is very similar to Sinister One. It does have the same people in it. So, like, it does have Ethan Hawke in it. It does have the same director and the same two writers. So, the concept is very much similar to Sinister. Um, If you've never seen Sinister, there are movies that play. Recordings that play. um, And it is very much based on a serial kidnapper as well. Um, but the flashbacks that Gwen has, well, they're not really flashbacks, but like the dreams that Gwen has, has the same method, the same filming and the same feel as the videos from Sinister. And that is part of the reason why I love the Sinister movies. And I feel like that is one of the reasons why I love this movie. It's the feel. It's... I can't explain it, to be completely honest. It is something that you just have to watch. But it makes things creepier. Um, I mean, and that being said, I do enjoy that they are focusing kind of on the psychic part of things. Because I do feel like people don't focus enough on the paranormal or the psychic stuff in dreams everybody just believes that you know you're doing something and you have this vision and it's like no you can have dreams of actual 
crimes that have happened, um, I am going to be completely honest, it has happened to me quite a few times. It is scary, it is horrible, but it it's kind of cool at the same time. And the fact that there's a movie that touches base on it, you know, she doesn't have these visions when she's awake. She only has them when she's dreaming. I'm not going to get into what I have experienced with it um, because it has turned out actually relatively creepy. Um, one does involve a what would have been a cold case. Um, however, they were able to solve it within like the first year. But I'm just going to say I had a dream months prior and everything that I dreamed was actually what ended up happening. And it was really creepy because I had no ties to it at all. It was just some random, well, I don't really want to say random, but it was it was a random murder that just ended up happening in the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts, back when I lived at, in Massachusetts. Um, but I mean, I really do love how they focus that concept on her dreams and only when she was asleep and not these always having to be awake to have these visions to be a psychic. And I loved it. Overall, if you are looking for a good horror movie for the Halloween season coming up, watch this movie. I am probably going to brag about this movie for the foreseeable future because it was just so good. And Ethan Hawke did amazing. And... I mean, you know it's good if I don't have to write notes. I mean, and I did just watch this not even 24 hours ago from recording this. But it was just so good that I don't want to have to stay on track. I don't want, I didn't want to have to go down a list of stuff or read my notes. Because it was just so damn good. So on that note, this is available on streaming services. Um, it is actually still in theater, to be completely honest. I did notice that it is still in theater, um, which I think is pretty cool. I kind of wish I saw it in theater instead of waiting for it to come out on streaming services. But, you know, it was released in June of 2022. So it's only been, it hasn't it's been two months exactly. So, I mean, you know, whatever. So, before we go ahead and end this episode, um, there is a rumor that they are, Derrickson and Hill are currently in process of discussing a sequel. So, um, I believe I am reading something as I am doing this because I was curious about it. Um, I do believe from what I am reading, a the, the sequel is going to be based upon inspiration regarding the iconic imagery or the imagery behind each of the grabber's masks that we see throughout this film.
Um, also, I do want to go ahead and say that with this film only being out for two months, the two main characters, so the brother and the sister, Finney and Gwen, their names are Madeline McGraw and Mason Thames. They are new. They barely have an I am an I they barely have an IMBD. Um they do have one, but they don't it's it's barely there because they are still so new. Um but they have been nominated for the best younger actor in a film for the 2002 or 2022 Saturn Awards. Along with them, Ethan Hawke has been nominated. The Black Phone has been nominated for the Best Horror Film. And then obviously, the writers have um, been nominated as well for the Best Writing. The Saturn Awards, I'm trying to see when they are going to be. They are going to be in October of 2022. So it is going to be very exciting to see if these two little kids, well, they're not really little, they're teenagers, um, but it's going to be very exciting to see if they're able to win a film nomination because I think they have a lot of talent and they did freaking awesome in this film. For this to be their first major movie role, they did fucking awesome. And, I mean, I would love to see them win. Alright, so, with all of that being said, that is it for this episode of That's a Wrap. And I will go ahead and talk to you guys in the next episode. And definitely go ahead and check out the Black Phone if you haven't already. Bye.